Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brighton Krumah. Reverend Brighton Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. Grateful. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege you have given us to be in your presence, to hear your word. Spirit of God, minister to our hearts tonight. I avail myself to you. Let me be a vessel fit for the master's use. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands together for the Lord, and you may be seated. And turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. It has been our foundational scripture for our series of message on God has begun a good work in you. Say, God has begun a good work in me. How many of you are feeling more and more that God is doing a good work in you? I think it's very encouraging to know that the work is not finished and that whatever stage you are in, be encouraged that God is not done with you. God is still working on you. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with their bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Very assuring scripture, Patrick very assuring that God is not done with us. Whatever stage we are in, Prince, God is working on us. God is working on us and we are just going to become better and better. Hallelujah. God is working on us. Amen. Amen. And the work will never be done until the day of Jesus Christ. So until Jesus comes, the work is not done. Amen. So you can relax until Jesus comes. Hope, you cannot relax. Amen. Francis, until Jesus comes, the work goes on. The work continues on. Hallelujah. In this message, we are talking about seven areas that God is doing a good work in you. Seven areas that God is doing a good work in me. Seven areas that God is doing a good work in us. And 
the areas are one. We said that God has begun a good work on your spirit or on your heart. We shared so much about the good work that God is doing on our spirit. Amen. And then we talk about the good work that God is doing on our soul. God is doing a good work on your soul. And we said that the soul comprises the mind, the emotions, and the will. And we shared so many things about these things, the good work that God is doing in all these areas. Hallelujah. Today we want to talk about the good work that God is doing on your flesh. The good work that God is doing on your flesh. Or the body. The good work God is doing on your flesh or on your body. Hallelujah. We say that man is a spirit... He has a soul and he lives in a body. This is one of the principles of the seven great principles, a book that Bishop has written and I encourage all of you to read that book. It's a very small book but very loaded, very powerful. It gives in-depth understanding of Christianity, the phases, the stages when we become born again the changes that take place and the different components of man. That man has a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. So all these components are what makes man. Do you understand? Now the body is the flesh. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. He will do it. I said God will do it. God will make you Holy sanctified. Amen. Amen. It is work that he's doing on you. And it involves your spirit, your soul, and your body. And then verse 27 says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto the young Christians. Unto the new born again Christians. Unto all the holy brethren. You see, it is to be read unto all the holy brethren. That means no matter what stage you are in, this is affecting you or you are included in this and you need to hear it. Whether you are a bishop, you are a reverend minister, you are a pastor, you are are a deacon, 
whoever you are, this applies to you. So he says, let this letter be read unto the, all the holy brethren that are in a church. Amen. Now, if God is going to do or going to sanctify you wholly or completely, then he must sanctify every component of you. And if we are saying man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body, and God is going to sanctify you wholly, then God must sanctify the spirit, he must sanctify the soul, and he must sanctify the body. That's a whole. That's a component. That's a whole of a man. The body cannot be left out. Do you understand? The scripture says your whole spirit, soul, and body ought to be kept blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means this purification and sanctification should continue going on going on until Jesus comes. It should continue sanctifying of your spirit, of your body, of your, of your soul, should continue until the day Jesus comes. Amen. Now, the body of a man is the part that we call the flesh. Do you understand? And the flesh is more than just the tissues, and the organs, and the bones, and the muscles, and the ligaments, and the skin that you see or feel. The flesh is more than that. Do you understand? From biblical point of view, the flesh is known more by its characteristics, its desires, the things that it does. That is how the flesh is known from the biblical point of view. When we are talking about the soul, the spirit, and the flesh, how we differentiate or we identify the flesh is known by its characteristics. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Or you don't understand what I'm sharing with you? So according to the Bible, the flesh has certain characteristics that makes us know that it is the flesh that is acting. The Bible teaches us that as far as the flesh is concerned, there is no good thing about it. Do you understand? There is no good thing about the flesh. And it has several bad characteristics. (laughs) The flesh has a lot of bad characteristics. Do you understand? The part of man that does not like to relate with God. The part of man that does not like to pray, that does not like to talk to God, is the flesh. That is the part of man that would rather not talk to God, not have relationship with God. It's the flesh. Do you understand? Your flesh is that part of you that does not like to fast. So we identify the flesh by its characteristics. The part of man, the component of man that doesn't like to fast is the flesh. Isn't that so? It is that part of you that likes to sleep rather than rising up to pray. It's the flesh. The flesh or that component of man that prefers to sleep instead of rising up to pray 
is the flesh. That is how we know that part of the man's component. Do you understand? By its characteristics. Hallelujah. The flesh is that part of you that makes you snore on a prayer line. When you are on a prayer line, it's the flesh component of you that makes you snore and then embarrass you. You see? So there's no good thing about the flesh. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. It is that part of you which is lazy. That lazy part of you that doesn't want to come to church. It is the flesh. It is that part of you that doesn't want to come to church. It is that part of you that demands its 8 to 10 hours of sleep. Want to sleep so that it will feel good and feel nice skin and soft and relax and it is the flesh and feels strong. It's a flesh way of strengthening itself is to relax. <laughs> Not do anything, then he feels I am strong. It is the flesh. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So there is that component of man that you ought to be aware of. Hallelujah. It is that component of you that will take a long shower, wash itself, and wash itself, and wash itself for long hours rather than having time for quiet time. It will rather want to wash itself. What is quiet time? Let's take shower. You see, it is that component of you. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It is that component of you that says, let's eat rather than have quiet time. Let's make oatmeal. You see? And it's, it's demanding it. You see? Get, go, go to the kitchen. Bring the spirit and the soul. Make me oatmeal rather than having quiet time. It is the flesh. There is no good thing about the flesh. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So this is that component of man. And God is working on your flesh. God needs to work on your flesh. Tell somebody, God needs to work on your flesh. Say the way your flesh is. Say God needs to work on it. Amen. There's no good thing about the flesh. I've been a, there's no good thing about the flesh. The flesh will embarrass you. Do you understand? The flesh will embarrass you. The flesh will make you snore. Even when you don't want to, do you like to snore? But the flesh will make you snore and embarrass you. Would you like to come on a prayer meeting, prayer line, and be snoring? And sleep and be snoring? And leave yourself all over the place? And, but the flesh will make you do that. That component of man. No, do you understand the message? Yeah. Hallelujah. One day, Jesus went to a very special place to pray. And he took three of his disciples with him. Three that he perhaps considered serious Christians, powerful prayer warriors, serious intercessors. Do you understand? He took three, three of his disciples 
with him. He looked amongst them and he says, I can depend on these three. And then he chose three. I'm just preaching by message. Amen. I'm just preaching. Amen. Preaching, no? (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, so he took three of his powerful intercessors, selected three, and he says, come with me. Because this was a crucial stage in the ministry of Jesus. It was a crucial stage in the ministry of our Savior. A crucial stage in his life. Do you understand? So he took three people who are serious Christians. Come. This is not child play. Come. And let us go and pray. And so he took three of them. Let us read that story in Mark. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. If you have the New Living Translation, please. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. This is Jesus. Jesus, And they came to a place. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. So he was with the disciples. But he made some of them sit somewhere. And he says, I'm going to pray. And then he said, one, two, three. Please, come with me. And then he says, now you. Two, three, come. You know, and says, this is a serious matter. Okay, you, I can trust. So one, two, three, come with me. You see, amongst them, he chose three. Three intercessors. Three powerful, serious Christians. Three prayer warriors. Known amongst the brethren to be serious prayer warriors. So he took three of them. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply distressed and troubled. Deeply distressed and troubled. So he was in a stage where he needed serious people to pray with. This was a serious situation. Crucial moment in his ministry. Crucial moment in his life. And he took three serious Christians to come with him. He told them, you see, he didn't lie. He says, listen, my soul is crushed. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I'm taking you three with me because the stage where I am, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I need you. Because where two or three are gathered, the Father is here. When we agree on this topic, we know that it shall be done in the heavens. So you three, stay here and keep watch with me. Do you understand what it means to keep watch? (laughs) It means stay awake and pray. He went on a little further, a little farther, and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour 
awaiting him might pass him by. If it was at all possible, let this awful hour that is just ahead of me. See, you know, you come to a stage in life where it is like, Father, if you don't do this, I am dead. You know, you know that you need the Father to intercede this moment. It's an hour ahead. And he knows the hour has come. So he says, if it were possible, that awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. You see, sometimes, you know, when we think about Jesus suffering and the cross, we think, oh, he was God, so, you know, he enjoyed it, you know. And it was easy, you see. And sometimes we don't even wait to ponder and say, he suffered really for us. You know, we don't ponder to say that the man, I mean, this was a stage where he was praying that it will never happen. So if it, was, if it was that easy for him, he was God, and this was very easy for him, would he be praying such a prayer? But he said, Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. If it was left to me alone, at this stage, I don't want to go further. Do you understand? If it was just left to me, if you were to ask me, what do you want? If you were to put your will aside and you were to ask me, what do you want? I will be honest with you, I am the one that made the decision to come. But this hour... As we stand here right now, I'm changing my mind. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. So it was a crucial moment. It's a crucial time. But he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. <laughs> what a shock. He returned and found the disciples, the three that he called, the trusted ones, intercessors, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? You know, it's like, what a shock. (laughs) Prince, do you see? This is Jesus. <laughs> what a shock. He comes. He says, among the twelve, he selected three. I mean, maybe John could be sleeping. It's okay. Hey. <laughs> Preaching, no? James could be sleeping. But Simon, the rock, Simon. So among the two, he called them Simon. Are you sleeping? Are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? One hour. I've been gone just an hour. Are you asleep? Simon, 
You can wake up 5 to 6 a.m. to pray. (laughs) The next verse, it says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Then he says something. He said, the spirit is willing. There is a willing spirit in you. But the flesh, the body, the body is weak. (laughs) He said, the spirit is willing. I know there's a willing spirit in you. But the flesh is weak. The body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping. He found them still sleeping. For they couldn't keep their eyes open. They could not open their eyes. I mean, have you gone to have you gotten to a stage like that before? Where you want to be awake. You are trying, you are standing, but you are sleeping. You are standing up, but you are sleeping. He said that he came to find them still asleep. They could not. I believe Peter probably may have quenched some wood and he trying to stay awake, but he could not keep his eyes open. He could not just open it. He says, Lord, I'm not asleep. He says, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. And they didn't know what to say. The prayers will not even come. Flesh, eh? I'm telling you. At that time, the Holy Spirit has not come, so speaking in tongues is not there. <laughs> they, could, they didn't even know what to say. When he, re, when he returned to them again, the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep. <laughs> Have your rest. <laughs> but no, no, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Wow. Flesh, eh? I tell you, it will embarrass you. They have made you a rock, but the flesh will not make you stay up. They say you are the rock of the, the foundation. You are the cornerstone of the church, but you can't keep your eyes open. Amen. So the flesh is that part of you that will disgrace you. It is that part of you that will put you under disgrace. The flesh. You will be in in a very serious staff meeting. Talking about laying off and your job is on the line, but you cannot keep your eyes open. Right in front of your boss. You are sleeping. The flesh, eh? You want your job, but the flesh is, I need to sleep. Big table, big people around. You are sitting there. Everyone looking and you are... You are sleeping. To disgrace you. 
is the thing that you'll be sitting in front of the church and you are sleeping. And you want to be awake. And then your eyes are like this. Your eyes are like, I mean, have you seen that before? Somebody is awake but their eyes are closed. He said, are you sleeping? He said, that's how my eyes are. <laughs> so you see, the flesh will disgrace you. That is why often you hear unbelievers say Christians are hypocrites. You know, they say they are born again, but they are not really born again as they say. You see, but you are born again. You are born again. When you get born again, it is the spirit that is born again. The flesh is not born again. And so that is what they look at. And they see what the flesh is doing. And they say, you are not born again. But you are born again. That is why God needs to work on your flesh. I say, God is working on your flesh. So it is that part of you that betrays you every now and then. Have you been betrayed by the flesh before? Oh, yes. So unbelievers don't understand this. They don't understand that your flesh is weak, though the spirit is willing. They don't understand that. But God is working on your spirit, and God is working on your flesh. Amen. That is why you don't have to be disappointed if the flesh betrays you every now and then. Don't be disappointed. God is still working on your flesh. I say God is still working on your flesh. That is why preaching like this opens your eyes to see the flesh and its desires. So you will be conscious of the flesh and be aware of the flesh. And it is part of God working on your flesh to bring its weaknesses to your awareness, its characteristics to your awareness. Amen. Hallelujah. So you must understand that the flesh does not seek to do you any good. That you have to understand. That this flesh does not seek to do you any good. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Because if even you, you don't know and you allow the flesh to have its way, you, you, you allow the flesh to have its desires, you allow the flesh to have its demands, it will disgrace you totally. Do you understand? That is why you have to be conscious of the flesh and its desires and its demands. Because even if we consider only the physical aspects of life, we consider only the physical aspects, not talking about the spiritual aspects of life, we realize that if we don't control the flesh, it will not do us any good. If we allow the flesh to have its way, it will do us a lot of harm. Do you understand? Or you don't understand what I'm sharing with you. We are not even talking about spiritual aspects. We are talking about the physical. Just the physical, the physical body. If we allow the flesh to have its way, if we allow the body to have its way, it will do you a lot of harm. It will do you a lot of harm. Amen. The flesh likes to eat the wrong kinds of food. Do you understand? The flesh likes to eat the wrong kinds of food. Are vegetables good for you? Yes. Are vegetables healthy part of diet? 
that you need to have more of. But the flesh doesn't like that. It is not what the flesh likes to eat. Flesh wants to eat fatty foods. Are fatty foods good for you? Oh, fatty foods are good for you. (laughs) What about lots of meat? To eat a lot of meat, is it good for you? What about lots of carbohydrates? You see, so looking at the physical aspects, but that is what the flesh likes. The flesh likes to eat a lot of carbohydrates. The flesh likes to eat a lot of meat. Do you understand? The flesh likes to eat a lot of fatty foods. That is what the flesh desires. So there's no good part of this desires. Do you understand? Or you don't understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. The flesh likes to eat a lot of pastries and sweets and things that are not good for it. That is what the flesh likes. So if you want to stay healthy, if you want to stay healthy, then you have to force the flesh, you have to force the body to eat certain things. You have to force it to eat certain things. If you want to stay healthy, if you want anything good for the flesh, then you have to force it to do the opposite. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. Exercise is good for you, but the flesh doesn't like it. Going to the gym is good for you. In fact, you can have the gym right in your bedroom. (laughs) But the flesh doesn't like it. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? But the flesh doesn't like it. The flesh doesn't like to exercise. But it's good for you. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You know, you know, you know within you that it is not good to sleep with this man. You know, you know it's wrong. First of all, it's somebody's husband. And you know that it's wrong. It's not good. But the flesh has has different ideas. Do you understand? The flesh has a totally different ideas and different feelings. And the flesh says, I want it. And you are saying it's not good, but the flesh says, I want. So you realize that you have to discipline the flesh. You have to force the flesh. As for the flesh, it will disgrace you. It will disgrace you. Oh, yes. It will disgrace you. I'm sharing a very important message with you. I say, if you allow the flesh, it will disgrace you. If you allow the flesh, it will choose to drink a lot of alcohol and be drunk and embarrass you and disgrace you if you allow the flesh. That is what the flesh wants to do. Is alcohol good for you? But that's what the flesh wants, to drink a lot of it and misbehave and disgrace you. Hallelujah. So that is how it is with the spiritual aspects also. The same way with the spiritual aspects. What is good for you, the flesh will not allow you to do it. If you give the flesh its way. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. 
It says, but I keep my, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is the preacher. This is a preacher. He says, I have to keep my body under. I have to keep under my body. Look at the New Living Translation. It says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our, what are we reading? (laughs) Ah. Okay, we don't want to forget this one also, but you don't like my message. I think some people don't like the preaching. I have the New Living Translation. I open my own. They have changed. They have changed. They like the message now. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You see, you have to be afraid of the flesh. You have to, otherwise it will disgrace you. It will disqualify you. You have to discipline the flesh. He says that I'm afraid that after I have preached to others, I myself, I'll be disqualified if I don't discipline my flesh. If I don't discipline my body. Do you understand? So you realize that the body is one component of you which you must allow God to work on. He says, I discipline my body. You have to allow God. That means that there is you but you are made of the spirit and there is a soul and that you live in a body and you must control the body. Do you understand? The body is not you. You, the body is a component of you and you have to have control over the body. You have to avail the body for God to work on. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It is your reasonable service to present your body. You have to have control to present your body. Your body should not rule you. Your body should not say sleep and don't pray. You have to say to the body, I have to pray. It's a reasonable sacrifice to say, rise up and pray. It's a reasonable sacrifice to say, we are not eating from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And you have to have that control. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? What I'm trying to tell you is that the body should not control you. It is a component of you that you must have control over. Else it will disgrace you. Else they will take you for a prayer meeting and it will make you sleep. Else we will wait for you to wake up to lead a prayer meeting and you are sleeping. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And you wake up and you are embarrassed. You are disgraced. And you feel sorry. But the body will make you do that. The flesh will make you do that. 
Is that what you want to do? Do you want to sleep? Didn't you prepare the night before? You are prepared to lead the prayer meeting. But the flesh made you sleep. He says, go ahead. He says, wait till man no see before. Go ahead and sleep. Do you understand? That you wake up 4.45 and then the flesh says, you have 15 minutes. Sleep for 10 minutes. <laughs> sleep for 10 minutes and then wake up 5 minutes. Be ready and then, and then by the time you realize they are sharing the grace. The flesh will disgrace you. Amen. So Paul said, he says, I keep my body, I keep under, I keep it under and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Tonight, I want to share with you four different ways or four different dimensions how the body can exist. The body can exist in four different ways or four different dimensions. How many of you want to know? Number one, the sinners or unbelievers flesh. The sinners or unbelievers flesh. Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. The sinners or unbelievers' flesh. You know, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the last of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And had raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Now, what is this scripture saying? Go back to verse 2. It's saying... Wherein in time past, in our unbeliever state, 
Wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the course of this world. How this world was run is how we walked. Or is how we lived. He says, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air is Satan. Do you understand? It's the devil. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. That spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So we were walking in the course of this world according to the, the way the prince of this, the prince of the power of the air directed it. Do you understand? According to how he directed it. And verse 3 says, Among whom also we all had our conversation or our behavior in times past, in the last of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature of the children of wrath, even as others. So you see, from verse 2 to 3, we were walking according to the course of this world, according to the direction of the prince of the power of the air. So the prince of the power of the air creates the course of the world. How people should behave. How people should live. And we, when we were not born again, that is how we flew. We were flowing in that course. We were walking in that course. So, according to the power of the prince of this air, according to the power of the, uh, the prince of the power of the air, virginity, for instance, at age 18, is not a normal state of life. And that is how we were also living. Do you understand? And that is how we were also living. That it's a shame to find out that at this age, you are still a virgin. This is the, the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air, how he was ruling affairs. Do you understand? Or oh, you don't understand what I'm sharing with you? So this is the cause of the air. This is, this is, and the, go back to verse. It says, uh-huh. It says, according to the prince of the power of the air, so you realize that the prince of the power of the air controls even the media, controls what the news is, controls what is talked about, controls what is, what is the trend, what is norm, and what is fashion. And when we see these things, that is how we were walking, walking according to the course of the world. That is how, and whether you were aware or not, that is how your life was directed. Do you understand? That is how your life was directed. And then they will talk about it and talk about it. And that is how to say that now homosexuality is a trend. And in our unbeliever state, then a lot of homosexuals are coming out according to the power of the prince of the power of the air and making it a common thing. Now, do you understand what I'm saying with you? And that is how we were living. That is how, and it says that, wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh now in the children of disobedience, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So, in that state, in the unbeliever state, in the sinner state, there's a spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. There's a spirit in us. And it makes us agree with the course of, the, of this world. 
It makes us agree. Do you understand? So verse 3 says, among whom also we had our behavior, our conversation. In the lust of the flesh. So you see, it is all agreeing. In the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And of the mind, and were by nature, by it's by nature, by nature, the children of wrath. By nature. So you see, you have you, you have the mind, the spirit, the heart. What is in the heart, what is in the mind drops in the heart, and then you act. Do you understand? So, and there's a spirit that is controlling it. So, an unbeliever's mind, unbeliever's heart, unbeliever's spirit, unbeliever's body, the flesh, agree. And it's being directed by the prince of the power of the air. So, it is easy flow. Do you understand? So, it is easy for a young woman who is an unbeliever to break her virginity. It's easy. And nothing is wrong with that. Do you understand? There's no shame. Or you don't understand the message. That not drinking at a certain age, that they were, you never tasted alcohol and you say no. It's like something is wrong with you. Like something is wrong with you. And if you are an unbeliever, it will be easy for you to not to say that I drink. And you can easily even boast of how much you can drink. Do you understand? And it becomes a challenge. You can say, okay, let's go on competition and see how much you can drink and how much I... And it becomes it's a norm of life. Abena, do you understand the word of God this evening? So the unbeliever mind, unbeliever's heart, unbeliever spirit, and unbeliever flesh agree. And it's even easier because now there's a spirit that worketh in the children of God disobedience to make you even flow and that is easy do you understand so in certain places when the prince of the power of the air is about lies in certain country lies is is normal it's it's norm you know it's like the truth is the lie do you understand and everyone tells a lie if you are unbeliever do you understand everyone tells a lie there are certain places where everyone sleeps with three or four women. Every man, it, it, it is the, it's, it's normal. It's normal. Do you understand? It's accepted. The other day, somebody was giving a testimony on the first love. How he has a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three women. A day. Every day. He says, without fail. Every day. Morning breakfast and I mean, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the dinner one is overnight. You see, and where he was amongst it was a norm. And if you are a young person that you are not in that state, you are strange. Do you understand? When the angels came to visit Lot, the whole city, the whole town, they all came. New men that have not been touched have arrived. And everyone wants to have a portion. Do you understand? And, and, and they say, and the young and the old. So, father is coming, his sons are also coming. Grandfather is coming. And they are all interested in the same people. Let's see who will get. 
Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So you let's read Mark chapter 7 and verse 21. Mark chapter 7 and verse 7. Um, Mark chapter 7 and verse 21. It says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Out of the heart. Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All of these are in the heart of man and they are flowing. And they come. Do you understand? All of these things come out of the man. And all these evil things come from within and defile the man. They are all from within. Do you understand? So you see, this is how we are in our unbeliever state. In a sinner's body, it agrees with the spirit. It agrees with the prince of the power of the air. It agrees with what everyone is doing. And it is normal. And it's very easy. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So the Bible says, it says that the, the, the spirit of an unsaved man, the heart of an unsaved man or his spirit is desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked. You know, it can easily do evil. It can easily do bad. It can easily do harm. Do you understand? It can cause any harm anytime because it flows. The heart, the mind, and the body, and then there's a spirit that worketh in the children of wrath. So it is very easy. And it flows. Do you understand? That is why you will see an unbeliever will do something so devious and no shame, no guilt. That is why an unbeliever can say, for instance, that, oh, that lady, oh, I've slept with her. Oh, this one or two. Oh, I finished this one. Oh, that one, I finished this one. You see? And it is it is normal. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It is normal. That unbeliever can say that, oh, last Saturday I was drunk. I couldn't find my head. <laughs> you see? I, and, you know? And, and, and it's, it's not, and then it's company. They will laugh. And they are interested in what did you drink? How much? You know? And how did you get home? You know, it's like, it's, it's normal. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And that is why when a believer does the same thing, you see the unbeliever, the sinner's body is a happy body. The sinner's, the unbeliever's body is a happy body. What do I mean by that? It means that when the sinner's, unbeliever's body sins, when it does any evil, it is happy. It is happy. It enjoys it. Enjoys the sin. That is why an unbeliever, a, a, a person can kill people and, they, and he's happy. He says he enjoys killing young women under 20. 
Do you understand? And he's happy. He's happy that he has slept with all the women in, in the apartment complex. And he's happy. Do you understand? And he's proud of it. Because his body, his body is a happy body. It's a happy body with sin. Because his heart, his spirit agrees with his mind. And his mind agrees with the body. And agrees with the spirit that drives it. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? And that is why when a believer does something that the unbeliever does, he's not happy. When the believer does the same thing that unbeliever does, he's not happy. Because his flesh has done it, but his heart does not agree, and his mind does not agree, and he's not happy. And there's a different spirit that convicts him also. And it's not the spirit of the prince of the power of the air. Do you understand? Because they don't agree. They don't agree. The spirit is born again. You see, whereas in time past, you walk according to the, the course of this world, according to the, the prince of the power of the air, as you are born again, your spirit is saved. Your spirit is not the same spirit. The spirit that drives you is not the prince of the power of the air. Do you understand? That is why when no one is there, no one is there, you went to the store and then you took something, you were trying it on, by the time you realized you walked out with a thing. And then your heart is troubled. And then as if someone is chasing you, as, you see, and you feel unease, that makes you come back. No one is there. Nobody said anything to you. Nobody saw you. You came out of the store, the alarm didn't go off. You have gone far. You have made it. <laughs> Do you understand? And then there's something that is making you now go back. Go back. Because it is not the spirit of the power of the air. There's another spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, that convicts you now. That makes you now want to go back. To say, I am so sorry. I walked out of the store with this item. Because the body took it, and is holding it. The body likes it. The body likes it to wear it. But there's an inner man. There's a spirit. It doesn't agree with the mind. It doesn't agree with the heart. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? You see, that is why it is a very dangerous thing to marry an unbeliever. Unbeliever can do anything, anytime. Dangerous. You see, unbeliever, he can be a very nice looking person. Do you understand? He can be a very nice looking person. He can offer you a job. He can pay you. When you work for him, he can pay you. But when it comes to his heart to do wicked, there is no conviction. There is no control. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? There is no control. And so he says, the heart of a unsaved man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't. You can't. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you this evening? You can't. So it is very dangerous, very dangerous 
1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Is it? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe, verse 14. Let's read that. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together. Is it 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be ye not unequally yoked together. It is a dangerous thing to be yoked together with unbelievers. He said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? You can never mingle with an unbeliever and be safe. So when an unbeliever has not done you evil, it's not, it doesn't mean that he is not capable of doing you evil. He can do you evil anytime, any day. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Because when he does you evil, it agrees with his spirit, it agrees with his mind or his soul, and it agrees with his flesh. And the spirit of the power of the air that drives him agrees with it. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So that is the first component. That's the first part of how the flesh can exist. I have four, but I don't think we have time. So we're going to pause here. And then we'll continue next time we meet. Amen. Yeah, we will not finish. Okay, let's stand to our feet. Let's pause here. Stand to your feet and we continue next time we meet. God is working on your flesh. Oh, God is working on your flesh. He says, the one who has begun this good work, he has begun a good work in you and he will complete it. He will continue the work until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord. We avail our flesh to you. We avail our hearts to you. We avail our soul to you. Father, let the work go on. Continue with the work. You say you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Father, we avail ourselves to you. Use us. Remold us. Reform us. Our lives are in your hand like a clay. Be a porter, O oh God, and reform us, O oh God. We are thankful. We are grateful in the name of Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight, you are not born again, you want to give your life to Jesus, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Christ. If that is your prayer tonight, lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Is there anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus? Anyone? Father, we are thankful and grateful for the gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands together for Jesus? Was that a clap? or? We believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message. We invite you to join us on Sunday afternoons for our Duel of Heaven service and Tuesday evenings for our Word Power service. For more messages by Reverend Brian Kuma, please subscribe to the QFC Bronx North Podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738. Stay blessed.